0: This is Waiting for Review, a show about iOS development and the Apple ecosystem. From the UK, I'm Dave Knott, and joining me from New Zealand is Dave Wood. How you doing? All right, yeah. Um, I'm on Catalina, so that's good. No, no Wi-Fi issues after all.
1: Cool. <laughs> I'm recording both feeds as well, so we've got that that backup. Oh, cool.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know what was going on with that. Obviously, I upgraded to Beta 3 of Big Sur. Yep. And I've got a little Ethernet adapter now that I've been using when I'm at my desk. So I just haven't really been using the Wi-Fi. But then obviously, being away for the weekend, I thought, i would turn on the laptop and I was like, oh, no Wi-Fi. And just instantly assumed that it's Big Sur that upgraded into that had somehow broken Wi-Fi on Catalina. Yeah. Um, but back here, it seems fine. So I guess it's the Wi-Fi where we were. Where you were, yep. But what was weird, when I booted into Big Sur when we were away, Wi-Fi was perfect same as windows but just catalina just wouldn't wouldn't go that's really odd so i don't really know what to make of that other than it's okay now (laughs) so (laughs) it must have been the wi-fi i've had wi-fi issues there before so it wasn't a big surprise that it happened but odd that big Sur was fine oh i've got an idea
1: uh doesn't big Sur do something to do with um mac addresses and security, I'm not sure if it's turned on by default, but I was reading something about um, Big Sur changing your MAC address for security. I'm just thinking that if there was something weird with the Wi-Fi where you were, Catalina may have presented one MAC address, and that was you know, not able to get onto the network for whatever reason, something odd on the Wi-Fi to do with its settings for that. And then you boot into Big Sur, you've got a different Mac address and it just lets you through.
0: But then it works fine here.
1: Yeah, that would still point to their Wi-Fi being the problem. Yeah. Just that Big Sur would have um, tricked it into thinking you were some other device.
0: Mm. It's strange, after um, upgrading to Beta 3, I skipped out Beta 2. Um, Now when I do the whole multi-boot thing, or dual boot, or triple boot in my case now, it's just got Windows, Catalina and Big Sur. Big Sur used to be cool, just like Big Sur. Um, yep. you know, when the drives come up and now it's like EFI boot, it comes up as. So it's like a lot hmm. of stuff has changed in that, that beta going to beta three. So I just assumed that, Oh, you know, that, you know, the fi is just another kind of casualty of doing that. But yeah. yeah, it's weird. I'm in a weird place. Like I feel like I want to use Big Sur all the time. Cause it's just, I just really like it. Um, but things like audio hijack don't work in it yet. Um, and just, yeah, you know general stability like if we were going to record this on with me on big sir probably be fine
1: yeah but, but it's the probably
0: yeah yeah i mean it's bad enough when it's actually released for the first few weeks isn't it so like now it's <laughs> um but no i'm i was just in it quickly before i rebooted to come and do this review and it's like yeah it looks really really good i just i just love it i think it looks so good it's just oh that's cool can't quite Put my finger on what it is, but I think as as like a place to to be for all of my sort of computing. It's it's going to be very very nice because, well, as as you know, like I'd almost considered like ditching and running to Windows um a few weeks ago, yep. and yeah, I I just can't see myself wanting to make Windows my home like that. I kind of see Windows much in the same way as I see like. The software you get when you boot up your Xbox or your PlayStation. Yep. You know, it just launches the games.
1: It's a wrapper for Steam.
0: Basically, yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it, if you want to do video work, you can run DaVinci Resolve and, and Premiere and all that stuff. But actually, it's not the same, I don't think, as, as running it on Mac OS. You just like, you've kind of got your environment around you with the Mac as well, haven't you? Yeah. Uh, and I think there's a lot of value to that. And I just don't really think I'd, you know, want to be doing sort of, what's the word, sort of creative or like productive work on Windows. I don't think I would enjoy that in the in the long term. Um, And sort of jumping into Big Sur again has just reinforced, like, yeah, this is like where I want to be for like everything that isn't playing games.
1: That's cool. Yeah, if you found it coming back into Catalina, if you found that a little jarring,
0: it feels quite old. Yeah, it kind of feels like you're in macOS Classic. Okay, that's kind of the best way I can describe it. Yeah,
1: because I've not played with Big Sur yet. Not at all. No. Okay. No.
0: Yeah, I I just think the whole like sidebar thing they've got going on, and there's a lot more translucency. And thank goodness they fixed the battery icon in settings. That now looks awesome. (laughs) Uh, Almost like out of iOS six. It's just enough, just enough gloss on it, just enough shine. It's it's really cool. So yeah, I'm. Two thumbs up for Big Sur so far. I kind of can't wait for it to be out properly and all my apps to be supported on it. Um, this it's going to be really cool. It does make me wonder, though, and I know we kind of spoke about this very, very briefly offline, about um, I mentioned about the inevitability of touch coming to the Mac, and you were kind of a bit like, yeah. what? <laughs> yeah. The more I use Big Sur, the more I think that it's probably, probably going to happen. Really? Yeah. Just like the way things are spaced, it's almost like it's almost like this is kind of angling for a touch target kind of environment.
1: That's interesting because I sort of feel like that to me feels like not yet. Um, I, I think logically because it would again start to bring that line between the the iPad and the Mac even closer. Well,
0: I mean the way I, I was kind of in that camp, but then I started thinking about well, look at the iPad. The iPad is touch first for the most part, but you can strap it into a keyboard of a touchpad and you've got a cursor and it's almost like the cursor is the secondary input. It's there if you want it, but like really it, it's a touch device, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's true.
0: And I think macOS is going to come at it from the other way. So yeah, it's okay. a, a keyboard and a trackpad slash mouse device first, but you can touch it if you want it. Yeah, you know, touch is the secondary input, like the inverse of the iPad. Yep. Um, Especially with these sort of Apple Silicon Macs that are coming, the ability just to run iPad and iPhone apps just like boom on them. Yep. It's going to be pretty weird using those just with the cursor because
1: the touch targets are going to feel so, so big.
0: Yeah. And it's going, to, yeah. it's going to be a huge part of their marketing, I'd imagine. Like all your favorite apps now on the Mac or some, you know, some sort of strap line like that. And I think yep. if you just put something out like that to the general public, that have been used to touching their ipad and their iphone apps and it's like and now they're on the mac and it's like oh why can't i touch them yeah so it does make me wonder or not it just makes me feel like this is a an inevitability like i i used to be like no this it'll never happen the mac is the mac and the mac is where you do like all the mouse and cursory stuff and precise input yada 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 i kind of don't feel like that anymore like big Sur is is, is really making me feel like yeah it, it, it's gonna happen um It's going to be like cursor first, don't get me wrong. It's not like all of a sudden the Mac's going to turn into an iPad. Yeah, it's interesting. Very interesting.
1: Just that bit closer down the the path of convergence. Kind of like still on opposite sides of the coin. Yeah, I can see that. It's interesting how you sort of say um, the iPad is touch first and the Mac will be cursor first. But that doesn't mean they can't both have aspects of the other as a secondary sort of input. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I need to play with Big Sur. <laughs> I think you've uh, you've inspired me to look at the uh, the beta over the next week.
0: Yeah, make sure you do it properly, though, because I need to kind of flatten everything, I think, and start again, because I've made a bit of a mess. Right. Um okay. I installed it doing the whole APFS container thing, um, and then it all sort of came to light afterwards that, oh, you shouldn't do that, because I think when you install Big Sur, it alters the way APFS works okay across the big Sur and the catalina installation so then you've got issues with catalina i think being like issues with updating um various issues all of which i'm not entirely aware of but it's not good right. basically uh the way to do it i think is for the partition yep so then it's like completely separate from your, your catalina install so I, I guess really my my choice now is just to flatten everything and start again
1: I'll tread carefully, yeah. see if I can uh, sacrifice a, a chunk from a drive or something.
0: Yeah, I mean, if I had a fast SSD that was like USB-C or external, I'd probably have done that, but yeah, I didn't, and I kind of rushed into it, and well, I guess this is just the price you pay for that. Um, but no, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I really am looking forward to it. Um, kind of looking forward to yeah, Big Sur being the place where I do all of my stuff. <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, <laughs> Where you live. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I'm looking at um, hopefully doing a bit of, like Twitch streaming and, and stuff like that. And I'd like the sort of PC to be the, the game inside of it. And, and that's it. That's all the PC does is just play the games. I don't really want any of my life to sort of infiltrate that barrier. Yep. Um, I'm going to, well, we spoke about it, I think not in the show, but about using NDI to chuck the video from the pc to the mac and then the mac is the thing that does the streaming yep um and then obviously i've got all the footage there on the mac as well so if i want to like chop up videos and make videos that kind of stuff it's all like on the mac and it kind of, that kind of feels right that kind of feels like where all my sort of productivity should happen because i think i'm going to get yep. very grumpy with windows very quickly if i do anything <laughs> other than launch games on it so that's that's where we're at um cool Which is better than where I was a few weeks ago. So I was like, "Right, I am selling the MacBook, and that's it." Um, Yeah, glad I didn't.
1: So I've been I've been playing with SwiftUI, um, and I am kind of starting to get back into picking one or two side project bits and bobs up as well.
0: Oh yeah, what what ones? Yeah,
1: um, I am look I am actually building out GoVJ um with with swift ui and it's coming on quite well now
0: like the, the, the big version too
1: yeah yeah it is it actually feels like i'm actually doing it this time
0: <laughs> so is, is there, are there any other side projects or is it just go vj you're focusing on now and then other stuff later
1: uh so go vj is my my main focus for playing with um my swift ui mvvm architecture uh because it's it's a it's well trodden ground you know I've, I've had this app now for what five years
0: mm.
1: um i've had various goes at, at sort of hashing out um an updated ui and, and and this that and the other for it as well for version two so some of this is like okay i know how this this goes you know i'm not, I'm not trying to really sort of rethink everything inside of the app um So it's quite a good project for testing the limits of the, the sort of architecture that I've laid down for, for MVVM and for using combine, um, and for dependencies and that sort of thing as well. So it, it feels, um, how can I put it? Yeah, it it just, it just feels like the right way of testing this out. And I've got a little bit more motivation at the moment for actually updating the app as well. Um, but that, that motivation gets killed very quickly if I've got to engage with all of the old storyboards, Objective-C and the video engine that I built that's kind of crufty now <laughs> um, and sort of has some some edges and limits to it. Um, so it feels like the right time to sort of be, be having a bit of a go at a rebuild. Um, testing the architecture out and actually like laying out new screens um and linking everything together it's good to do that with a bit of a bigger project you know like i mean the the app itself is is based around a central control screen um, and it has a couple of other um couple of uh, modal screens that come over for things like settings and that sort of stuff so it's not a complicated set of flows uh but the way i've got it laid out each bit of the control interface is a separate view it's its own separate thing um and so then naturally that sort of leads me down a path of well if i press the thing on that control panel there that's embedded in that view it has to affect something globally that um that the other parts are aware of um i think if, if that makes sense so I think, for example, I've got a, like a, a bar at the bottom where you can select between um, five different panels um, that have a grid of, of videos that are loaded into the app. And um, so if you press number one, two, three, four or five on the bottom, it switches between the different panels of videos, which means that the grid above needs to reload, you know, and it needs to, to load its content Um so th- the situations like that inside of the app, where the sort of linkage back to to global um, states, global objects that manage different bits and bobs, um, like loading database items, that sort of stuff, um, that's where Combine's really coming into its own. Um, and, and I'm sort of really testing like the the edges of um, of the pattern that I've laid out, and whether it's actually um, something that sort of enables me to make the app that I want to make.
0: Have you found sort of like the annoying parts of SwiftUI yet?
1: Oh, there's a few. Yeah. There's a few here and there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so what's your plan? Just drop down to UI kit for those bits.
1: Um, yeah. So a good example is I've, I've got a, um, a preview of the video that you're mixing sort of exists in the app at the very top. So yeah. you, you get the, the view of, 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 what's going to the, um, the video out to to the main screen. Um, and that has this um, part of the UI where you can slide your finger over the top um, to set the uh, the crossfade between the two videos that are being mixed. Uh, but not only can you slide between one side and the other and drag, essentially as a, f- a fader across from one side to the other, but you can also tap um, at any point along that that area to set where the cross crossfade is as well. So you can not only can you drag, but you can also just go, Bop, I want the crossfade at that point there, and it and it sets it. Um and I had a bit of difficulty getting that working nicely in Swift UI. Uh so I've got a a UI kit view with a load of the code robbed from the original version of the app, um, just embedded in UI rep- um host representable, isn't it? Something uh, like
0: that. UI view rep- yeah, something representable. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah.
1: So I've wrapped, I've wrapped it up, um, and then just inserted it into the main SwiftUI view, and it's there, um, and it's it's working. It, it's it's just it's it's another part of the the Z stack that's on that bit there, and it picks up the touches. Um, and again, because of the way I've got everything set up with Combine, um, it just needs to have sight of the um, of the main. Kind of uh, control object that I've got, where the opacity needs to be set, um, and then it can trigger updates to that, um, just as easily as the, the the Swift UI view above that's got the dragging component on it. They can both control the same thing really, really easily. So it's coming together. You know that it's it's early days yet, but um I'm enjoying the flow. I'm really enjoying the sense of flow that it gives.
0: Mm-hmm. I feel like I need to look at SwiftUI sort of post-dub-dub because I really haven't. I watched a couple of videos, um, like the one that Paul Hudson put out, like what's new in SwiftUI. I don't think it necessarily solves any problems that I was having this year. Yeah. I think the problems I was having still largely exist, (laughs) but it's still early, isn't it? Really? I know it's like we're now on SwiftUI version two, but you know, it. yeah to have all your problems answered by version two is pretty rare in, in any scenario, least of all like a programming framework. Um, yeah. So it's, I still feel like at least from what I've seen that the places where I needed to drop down to UI kit, I probably still will need to drop down to UI kit. Um, that irks me a little bit because I feel like for every time that I drop to UI kit, I have to drop to app kit if I'm planning to do on the Mac as well. Um, because yeah, unless, unless, unless I go unless, Catalyst. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. Kind of the purist in me wants to do it not with Catalyst. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's a funny one, Swift UI. I, I just marvel at its power constantly. I'm just like, wow, that is just like incredible to the point where people that have always maybe put off programming is like, oh, I, I wouldn't be able to do that. So, well, maybe you can. Like, <laughs> um, Yes I find yeah. sometimes the code it kind of reads almost like CSS as opposed to like some sort of complex programming language if that's It fair does to say. it
1: does it's it's the declarative side of it where you can just say here's a thing it's constructed in this way yeah um and then you know the rendering um engine effectively then just goes okay I'm going to interpret that this way on this platform um, just the same as as, as kind of having a, a canvas in a web browser, I guess. I mean, obviously the the language and the, the tech stack is different, but the, conceptually it's the same. Yeah. And it's um, interesting
0: because it, there comes a point where I wonder, like, am I quicker to do this in Affinity Designer or to just quickly make it in SwiftUI? Like, is that powerful now? Um, yeah. Or is that powerful on day one? And more often than not, I just kind of find myself, well, I'll just quickly do it in SwiftUI. Um, you know, list, bang, 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 bang. Oh, look, I've got a list. Yep. <laughs> you know, wrap a navigation view around it, put a couple of buttons in. And it's like, well, this kind of feels like an app. I know it's not. It's, this is just to see how it feels, like moving around and yeah. this and that. But you have to wonder, um, especially because when I'm in Affinity Designer, my tendency is to sort of twist and pull the UI to try and make it like mine. Yeah. And when you come to put that back into Swift UI, Swift UI is like, oh, no, I don't know about that. <laughs> like you know if you if you try and go like we' have said before, if you try and go off the the well trodden path, you're very quickly punished for it, I find, um,
1: I think so, I think it certainly has its own idiom, its own way of doing things,
0: yeah, it's very opinionated, isn't it, yeah, um, and it's you know again, like you say, it's declarative, like you kind of declare what it is that you're trying to make and it goes off and makes it it's like the master chef, yeah, um, so to kind of say, well, I know better than the master chef. I guess the master chef's going to disagree occasionally or frequently <laughs> as I found, but
1: sometimes it feels like it comes down to um, it's the way you say it as well, uh, which is best. I guess I need to sort of expand on a bit, um, but it, it's kind of like there's a, a Swift UI way of declaring things. This is that opinionated side of things again, I guess, but it means that you can have what you want in a lot of cases, as long as you just know how to say it to Swift UI. Um that's that's what I've been finding anyway, has been that so far I've I've been able to translate an awful lot of what I've wanted from previous UI kit takes on this rebuild over into Swift UI. Um I just need to to spend the time to sort of um you know, hack away at the edges of it to just sort of de- declare it in the right way for Swift UI to render what I want. Um, I, I've been lucky so far in a lot of ways. Like I said, it's a single view app. There's not a lot of flow there, you know, beyond a, an onboarding page and, and some settings and stuff. Um, So it's perhaps easier for this app to sort of have that element to it. Mm. Um, But yeah, I don't feel limited or constricted by Swift UI yet the only thing I found so far was that thing with the the taps that I described before um, and I really don't mind dropping down into uh, into UI kit for those moments uh, provided that the the main view is being run by Swift UI uh, because it does mean that as time goes on I can look at those those kind of um, UI kit stubs that sort of still exist here or there and I can potentially replace them you know, later on and just swap them out for for Swift UI ones when whatever it is that I've needed UI kit for is then supported a, a, above in, in Swift UI. So that was the thing. What I di- really, really didn't want was this sort of half and half, you know, where the where the app is constantly dropping to UI kit for, for every other thing. Um, yeah, I mean at that
0: point you've got to wonder why you're bothering, right?
1: Exactly, yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of funny. I need to play with this a little bit more, but one of the reasons I laid out the um, the architecture that I've done, which at some points I'm going to publish publicly online, um, like a sort of template um, Git repository with some of these things in. Um, one of the reasons I laid it down is that I also want to have like a, um, an example where a UI kit uh, view controller is wrapped up and, and embedded in the same flow because. If you give the same um, view model that is based around uh, an observable object that is run by, by, driven by Combine, there's no reason that view model can't be given to um, a UIKit view controller. You know, and, and, and that the view controller can't um, set things on the view model um, and update itself based on things that are happening inside of the view model as well. There's no reason it can't kind of have a similar linkage to the data side of things um, in the same way as all of my Swift UI views. Uh, so I kinda want to display that with this template at some point because I think I could take the the template that I've got on an example app um, and swap all of the Swift UI views for UI kit view controllers. Um, control the flow with a with a coordinator object, um, and the view models stay exactly the same. The data structure underneath stays exactly the same um, and that that feels kind of cool you know that it doesn 't matter what the view layer is is that the view models can just stay exactly the same as they are um, and they're these these objects that are just in charge of states and in charge of of um, pushing and pulling things from databases and apis and then the view layer just responds to that. Um, That, that feels kind of funky to sort of have something that's working at that level. And that's kind of the power that combines given me uh, more than SwiftUI or anything else.
0: Yeah. I haven't really gotten into combine. It was one of those things that I kept putting off and putting off and (laughs) haven't haven't (laughs) quite gotten to. I did try and watch one of the WWDC videos from last year. Um, I must admit, I did glaze over a little bit at points. <laughs> maybe, maybe need to revisit that one um, at some point.
1: As I said, "There's, a, there's a lot you can do with it at a really shallow level. Like I'm, I'm using maybe like five percent of what it can do just to get done what I want to get done, right? And yeah. and I think combines one of those things where like you, you watch the sessions and they'll take you through all of the bells and whistles and everything that it can do, but maybe like I say you just need a a little slice of it just to get started you don't need to know about um all of the the, the sort of depth that is underneath underneath the hood
0: yeah i guess that's uh <laughs> that's almost like programming in a nutshell though isn't it <laughs> in a lot of ways <laughs> like it is, but- it on atp this week someone wrote in with a question sort of along those lines and they're talking about like the sort of the point of diminishing returns when it's like You could be like the the total language nerd that knows everything and be that person that everyone comes to when they've got some like gnarly issue with, I don't know, objective C or whatever. But actually, for most people, just to to do your job and to be good at your job, don't actually need all of it or most of it for that matter. Um, Yeah. I thought it was an interesting takeaway because I've always been on the assumption that like I must know everything, but (laughs) you know, it's not always the case, is it?
1: No. No, just enough to be dangerous, uh, just enough to get started. I think is is the thing. <laughs>